Work Culture Consultants Podcast, a show where I interview CEOs with proven successful work cultures and dive deep into how they achieved a healthy work environment for their people that in turn benefited their bottom line. Hi everyone, thanks for listening in to Work Culture Consultants today. I have my friend Joe on the show and I'm really excited because we've been friends for two years on LinkedIn So now. many moons. So many moons. Yeah, so many God. moons. And he actually flew in here to Vegas today for us to do a masterminds class as well as do this podcast. And I'm really excited because since a lot of this show, well, everyone so far has been a CEO, he deals with many CEOs mm-hmm. in terms of MBTI, which is what he does. And I'm, I'm going to let him plug himself <laughs> here because I don't want to butcher this. So, Yeah. So I guess I would say I'm a personality consultant. I help people find their place in the world by clarifying their personality type. And I think uh, that's a very concise way of saying that um, I use the Myers-Briggs type indicator to help people. Usually people come to me through like a career perspective. They're like, I'm having trouble in my career or I'm thinking of changing my career. Am I on the right track or should I make a pivot? And because I think of all the tools that are out there with personality type, I think MBTI is the most in depth. So you can say like, oh yeah, we can use this tool to help guide you. Um, I'll just say the disclaimer at the front that no, it doesn't put you in a box. It doesn't like say like, oh, you can only, you know, Brittany being an INTJ, she can only do these things and thus I'm going to direct her there. So I just want to say that up front that um, that would not be what my direction is. I really like the quote that's like, you can't teach a man anything. You can only reveal what's already there. So when you start to define the things that make you, you, and then you go like, oh, that's why I've always liked this. And this part of my job isn't so great. So maybe I should go that way. So um, I hope that was concise enough for the cast. Of course, always. (laughs) Yeah, that was one of the big things uh, that brought us together Mm -hmm. is that we are both INTJs. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who don't know MBTI, you know, we're introverted, intuitive thinking, judging, or you would call some people call it the architect. I think um, the mastermind is a little bit better. Typically, we get portrayed in the media uh, or in cartoons as like the like evil dictator that's like or like that's pulling the strings behind the scenes. It's just kind of like in the background with the crystal ball. Um, when you run into INTJs, they're very, they're all types on the spectrum. So um, I would say that Brittany, her persona online comes across as, as, as very extroverted, but like when you get to meet her in person, I think you would see she's very introverted, but there's just like people have personas. Same with me. Uh, I've, I've been typed ENTJ before, but once that's why it's hard to type introverts and extroverts sometimes. And we're going to get to that on a live. If you ever want to check that out, go to our LinkedIn. That's going to happen here soon. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm going to throw you a curveball here for a second. And because we are INTJs mm-hmm. and we both, you know, deal with clientele that are CEOs, mm-hmm. what would you say that is good about us being INTJs and then CEOs mostly being ESTJs mm-hmm. um, because INTJs look at things as puzzles to be solved or look at the world or as a way to be more efficient. So, um, you can coach people and say either, oh, I see this puzzle piece within you or your organization or your org structure that needs to be fixed and this, this will help us. So we can, we can remove ourselves from the personal aspect of people and say like, objectively, this is the issue you're having. 
sorry to say it this way. And I think we can be overly blunt and not tactful sometimes. That's a real negative thing about our trait, if we don't, of, our, of our type, if we don't know our type. Um, so we can just, we look at things from like a, the owl, like looking down on everything. And we say, here's what I see and implement solutions. We're very solutions oriented. So for a very high level, CEOs would be um, well suited to hire like a, a Brittany or me to fix either culture or like personality bottlenecks. Because we just see it from it's like a strategic mm-hmm. place. And I feel like we are, our personality types are more high level, like said, and strategic. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, extroverts might be more tactical. Yeah, the sensor, the, the sensor types that tend to be um, in the executive seat tend to be more like, how do we do it? What's the ROI? Um, show me how this is going to project over the course of time. And they're looking on, you know, Q1, Q2. What are we doing this week? What do the numbers look like? And that can be hard for someone that's looking, what's 20 years going to look like? What's your next five years going to look like? So you need that type of person to counterbalance the types that are day-to-day. It's like, well, how does that day-to-day trans- translate into like the next, your, your brand or your next um, 20 years as a company? See, this is why I had him on the show. He's gonna, he's gonna plug us today. Thanks, friend. <laughs> yeah, I <you> got it. <laughs> uh, the benefits of MBTI coaching for CEOs, you know, what is one of the, the biggest benefits? I think the one of the biggest benefits is you, can be more empathetic to, especially if you're in a big organization, be more empathetic to like your, the troops on the ground. Um, I think the image of the CEO um, is that you disconnect from the people that are on the day to day making the money for the company as you kind of go up into a inner circle of maybe yes men and um, you're, you're constantly working on the board or how to control the board or shareholders if you're in a publicly traded company. And you, you disconnect from like the people that are actually selling the thing and doing the marketing and engaging with the audience. So in terms of corporate messaging, um, CEOs have notoriously been terrible at if they have to send a message to like a CEO wide message, it always comes across as like lawyers looked at it, HR looked at it. It's not sincere. It doesn't like use what we call extroverted feeling or harmony. It doesn't really capture the essence of the, the, the people. Mm-hmm. So it comes across as like, this is just like really stale and completely devoid of any um, heartfelt. heartfelt, yeah, harmony or heartfelt emotions. So like understanding that your communication style as a CEO is very, um, it's, it's focused on tangible results when some people just want to feel like, hey, the company's like, we're going through a rocky time, but we're going to be okay. And you got a leader that, that will make sure you're, you're, you're okay. That sort of thing is where MBTI can show you who you are and where you need to work. Because I think one of the pitfalls of being a CEO or executive is you think like, because you've attained a title, your personal development part has is clear. I mean, well, I'm a CEO, I've made it. Mm-hmm. No, you can always work to get better. That's a really good point. And that's like, uh, you know, I told him, I was like, you know, there's, this has a lot to do with self-awareness mm-hmm. and just growth as a person, whether it's CEO or whatever, because this, I have grown with just my knowledge that he's given me about our type mm-hmm. because I've seen my downfalls have that self-awareness to admit that, that these are issues I have like too, too blunt sometimes mm-hmm. like on my social media, like maybe we could tone that back a little bit and people are going to be more receptive to it. Um, so that's like you're saying, like yeah. the CEO is like all hands meeting, even how you're presenting yourself in those and like from a culture standpoint, that's a big deal because if you're just a very abrasive person but you want like genuinely your heart, you want to 
show your people you mm-hmm. care, like you're going to have to change things around. And also having some words for your own type, but understanding mm-hmm. there's all these other types right. that you need to speak to. Yeah. Um, that's a good point because the, the statistics for those that are really like numbers oriented, you tend to get clusters of thinking, judging, or TJ types as you go up the corporate ladder. So you have middle managers um, being, you know, the TJ thinking, judging, it's like 50%. But as you go into the C level on the board, you get 90%. So you, you cluster at the top, which means that you, like I said, you kind of have a insulated bubble of people that think the same way and make the same decisions the same way. And there's not even like a little bit of that, like, FP, the ENFP or INFP, it's like more heart centered and like, maybe we should do something different outside the box. You you're missing that. Like you're just avoiding those people. And we're like, we only hire people that think like ourselves. Well, like you can see companies that do that. They can't pivot when there's a pandemic. They just like, we've, we don't know what to do. We don't, we've never thought about this because everything's been going this way forever. And then you can just point out those things and go, maybe next time you hire an executive, you try to maybe we'll find a heart centered one. There you yeah. go. And that's where like we have a lot of synergies because, you know, I deal with onboarding mm-hmm. uh, from a culture standpoint and job descriptions. I always mm-hmm. say that onboarding starts at day zero and day zero starts when you do your job descriptions. And that's where this guy comes into play because he, do- he does those. Yeah. And as a, as a former recruiter, you look at job descriptions, you go find a candidate and it's like, oh, well, that's what you're actually asking for when they get to the interview is different. Candidates come back and they say, I mean, the role was system engineer, but really it's like a help desk person. So it's like, what does that disconnect? So I think there's a little bit of like, let's be honest, let's talk about um, things like salary. You got to put salary range. Like it could be like a big range, but let's not BS people there. I've added with my clients a section that just says mindset. What is the person in the seat going to say to themselves? What's their inner dialogue going to be? It's like for a salesperson, one of the things I wrote recently was, I'm going to close this account or I'm okay with getting a rejection or something like, you know what, if one person says no, I'm going to call the next person and I'm just going to be happy that I'm going to engage with people. If someone reads that job description, they're either going to fit that or not. They can't be like, you know what, I am, I can be that at all times. You're either that or you're not in specific roles. We got to get the mindset. So that's like more, that's less like, that's more esoteric where it's like, Mindset, oh, that's early qualification. How do we quantify it? My question, my kind of sidebar is to CEOs, what if we can't measure it? Are we going to be okay? Because some personality things you can't precisely measure. Right. So we're going to have to be okay with like 20% of our business being kind of that touchy-feely mm-hmm. where Britt and I come in. Um, so on the job descriptions, you can put stuff like personality type questions or mindset questions. So that's the first part I f- focus on is you're missing like the people part of the job description. Right. And I try and for, from the company's perspective, I always tell clients, like if you're going to do these job descriptions, you need to implement your values, mm-hmm. your vision, your mission. That has to be in there because you want, you're weeding out people that you don't want possibly in a good way. Like if they're not, say you have a, a startup company that's mm-hmm. super innovative. You don't want to hire someone who just wants to throttle back and just chill. <laughs> You're weeding those people out because we are not going to be a good fit for each other. Okay. So having those and then just values it all, all these things are important. Are you saying values? Cause I, this is something that I think I intertwine with my job description help is, is that the object, objective statement at the top? Where does that go? 
It depends on the recruiter I'm dealing with. I'm okay. a hiring manager, I guess, you know, preference for them. Okay. Because I think there's a good spot to weave in the, uh, what the company does. I've seen really good examples and startups do it really good is they, they, they give you a lot of what in the industry you call sizzle. Mm-hmm. It's like, it talks about the vibe or the culture or how fast the growth is, or, you know, it's the classic rocket ship growth, which is sometimes should be avoided because it's yes. kind of like, Oh, it's growing too fast. Things are like really unstable. But instead of saying something that you think is attractive, like, we're a we're a Fortune 100 company that deals in finance and technology. Like, are you? That's so nothing. It's, it's like you got to put something that's more exciting mm. or oomph to it, so that people are like, "Oh, like I'm really excited about working for a company that is his mission is to like reduce, like say for like reduce." Uh, carbon emissions by this year. And the way that we're going to do that is we've got to hire people that care about these three things. So like, if you're not, if that's not you, then you're not going to apply. So it's also just, it's helpful. So you're not wasting time. Yeah. On, everyone's, on yes. Yeah. Everyone's time. So those are really important. Mm-hmm. We're here for you. <laughs> yep. Um, so for employees, if mm-hmm. leaders, you know, middle managers, you know, want to use MBTI to right. their advantage. Do you feel like it's more, more for them or for their employees? This is, I think this is the real crux of like the two types of MBTI coaches or consultants or master certified trainers is like, there's the corporate side where it's like, we go to, we do workshops and we, we train managers on how to implement or how to, how to give feedback sessions to work with your team. But me personally, I like going to one individual person. And like I said, I reveal their type to them. Mm-hmm possible pitfalls of your communication. So you need to start doing this because that never works mm-hmm. unless they ask you to just tell them what to do, but that usually doesn't happen. Then they can go like, you know what, this is my problem or this is my issue. This is why I get negative feedback. And then they do it themselves. So I'd rather go to one person, mm-hmm. teach them about themselves and then they have the willpower to go implement it at work. Um, so that's why I don't really like go to the top and then have them trickle down. I go to individual people and then they'll, they can do it themselves. Right. Cause you can like throw training people all day. Like you do a whole, and then not everyone's going to do anything with it. They might be receptive to it. So I, I, I like what you do more one-on-one because those people want it and they're going to utilize it. Whereas other people, it might just be a waste of a company's money. Maybe. Yeah. Cause you're usually you're charging per head mm-hmm. and half the people, well, I would say like, not half the people, but like there's, a, there's always that 80, 20 rule. It's, it's the Pareto principle works all the time right. where it's like 20% of people automatically hate it. They think it's astrology or something stupid. And and then they go, well, they're not going to, you're going to waste your money. They're, they're going to be sitting there grumpy the whole time. Mm-hmm. And they're not even into it. You'll have like a, a good amount of people that'll be like, they'll come to you after and be like, that's really, tell me more. Like, where could I learn more? But you want those people as your clients, the ones that are really interested because they're going to take the sessions and implement it. So that's why I'm opposed to workshops, but there is value there. Mm -hmm. I just, I just don't think for me as an INTJ, I I like the one-on-one talking to people. Totally makes sense. I would be saying, wait, weird. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We were talking about, you know, the dynamic team dynamics. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if someone, just one individual has that and they're an extrovert, Mm -hmm. they're still going to learn what inter- what they aren't right through this MBTI training, and then they'll be able to work better with their teammates due to this. Yeah, that, that is true. I mean, there's always Carl Jung, you know, the in psychological types, the one that was based, like the created the idea of introversion extroversion was really influenced by um, I think it's called like I Ching. It's like a Chinese uh, philosophy of like 
yin yang, dark light, um, shadow self. So like when I, in the last sessions with people, I always talk about your shadow self. And if you're like, you know, an ENTJ, your shadow self is an INTP. So the, for the INTJ, the shadow self is the ENTP. So if you know what the ENTP is, the debating type, you can see that when you're negative, you're stressed, when there's a lot of pressure, that shadow comes out. And then you end up saying things to people like, Hey, I don't know what happened to me last night. I just got, no, that's your shadow. And when you, that's a thing, you can define it. But when you don't know that you just think like, Oh, sometimes I get that way. Just, you know, got to deal with it. And they use excuses. So you can realize you have an introverted extrovert side of you and you have a shadow mm-hmm. and then you can start to recognize it as it comes out and kind of like pull it, like pull it back. Yeah. Like there's just so much to that. There's so much to that. Like I know there's, and as I'm doing sessions with people and I'm, you know, I'm revamping them for the next time, like, Oh, I should cover that. Oh, I should cover that. How should I visualize this better? It's really just a journey. Like, that's why I've expanded from doing five sessions to now 10 sessions because you teach for five and then you got to have feedback and follow up for at least five after that. So this model can get real complicated and the shadow work is like, I never, people start to get like, I don't even, I need your help after this. So right. it, it's a process. It's a real long process. And I know I'm reverting back a little mm-hmm. bit, but like when it comes to job descriptions yep. and like we, some people are just better in certain positions. Like, like I just made a post on LinkedIn today about like uh, people that go into customer service jobs who should not work in customer service jobs. Like, you can't people. This is not for you. Don't don't do it. <laughs> Help everybody. Yes. Um, I mean, the thing to be said there is there are customer service people that solve problems without empathy. And you can have, but there's also the same problem solver, empathetic, like, wow, that's a really terrible problem. I'm really sorry that that's going on with you. I really am. I'm going to help you. So just hang in there with me. And then there's one that's like, well, why did you do that? You shouldn't have done it that way. What, we, what you need to do next time is like very unempathetic and they think everyone's stupid. And like, just, you can't have that. So in an interview process, you can, you need to act like you can do role playing and you can find the empathetic type versus the one that's just like, well, they're stupid. Here's what they should do. It's like, why are you hiring these people? Right. So they're going to do a call center job. These are not the type of people you want no. to hire because you need those people that make the client feel yeah. good. Like you care about them. And that's a, that can be written in the job, in the job description and in, in, in a, a mindset section. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that's where, you know, someone like myself to help. Right. I mean, plug away, man. That, that's, that's it. That's um, it's, I think the advantage of being a former recruiter is you see where the disconnect because typically HR will write a job description or even worse, HR will copy a job description from a like Indeed, like, cause Indeed has a great resource, has all like every single job description, like account manager, we got one for like copy, paste it, put in there. And they'll be like, they'll put their classic compliance stuff in there. But then the manager comes back and says like, I'm just, we're just getting, we're not getting the right people. It's like, did anyone look at the job description? So you bring me in, I'll rewrite it, revamp it, give you Boolean. Uh, Boolean searches are good too, because it's like narrowing down the field. It's, you know, Boolean's just like and or parentheses, like to really narrow down a job, a, a candidate's, the candidate pool to the essential people. And then um, I also provide interview questions. And the great part about being outside of the company is you can have some fun with it. Mm-hmm. Like ask them this question, see what they say. Like, it'll be fun. And like, I think that coming from not someone that's a W2 employee, 
can, um, you can add a level that they're just, they're too in the weeds with their company to know like what's missing. Right. And I think that's like with someone like Brit where it's like, you know, that your culture is this, you know, what people have said, and like, I've never, I didn't know that. It's like, well, you're just way in it. You're, you're too close. And that's where people like us come in and we say like, okay, we'll just take a step back look at it. Let's be objective. That's where being unemotional can help. Mm-hmm. And then, fix the problem which is more the thinker feeler thing right mm-hmm. which is yeah it's, that's the dichotomy that that's the real issue there and you know and this, uh, this is another curveball oh but like females who are not f females females who are more t even in the you know ceo roles mm-hmm. what's what's the dynamic there well the classic thing i say here is like it's the upstream swimming upstream um the cl- other females might think you're abrasive or you're like you're 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 almost acting like a male like you're trying to get to the top or you're like bulldozing the entj female i've just done a couple of posts about that even the intj the estj female can be viewed as like that's very unladylike <laughs> or that's like you know uh you're you're kind of you're you're kind of overstepping your balance here or it's like that's a weird thing for you to say this is since the book type talk came out and this is where i first learned about the dynamics of like real world what's what the types, how the types are different, how they manifest differently by sex is in a corporate environment. Um, the female T type tends to be a stream swimmer and then almost kind of has to kowtow or pretend to be empathetic or to, um, just do a lot of unnatural things. Whereas males get away with just being abrasive and direct. Um, but then when the female does it, it's like, well, that's, we can't have that. What are this? Yeah. 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 There's, you know, something to that because I mean, doing this culture thing, plugging myself, I guess, like I am a T and I'm not an F and I feel like that's good for what I do because even though I deal with culture and a lot of people think that that's just all unicorns and cupcakes and the the mushy stuff, Mm -hmm. it's not culture Mm -hmm. doesn't, doesn't mean it has to be emotional, emotional. Yeah. It, it, It should bring good emotions but it doesn't have to be emotional in that sense. And I feel like because I'm not a female feeler, like mm-hmm. the F type, mm-hmm. uh, this comes to my client's advantage because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, yeah. way more about things that I'm feeling. Right. But I just wanted to bring it up for the clients because a lot of people, I think, misconstrue the fact that because I deal with culture that I'm way mushy and that's just not the case. I mean, this whole thing about emotional intelligence is huge mm-hmm. and it's not negative to score high on like, you know, if you do the big five with like extroversion or um, conscientiousness, it's not negative to have those, those emotional traits because um, we have to have balance. I hate to say the word balance because it always sounds like it's a cop out. Let's just achieve a balance. It's like, but you need like thinkers to take objective make objective decisions, but you also need feelers that are going to be able to be like, what is the impact that this decision will have on our customers or internally. So the, the counterintuitive thought about thinking and feeling in the MBTI model is a rational way to make decisions. It's like crazy. F, no, that's emotional. Feeling is just saying we make decisions based on the impact on other people. That's not irrational. Just like T types make decisions based on objective, concrete data. What's wrong with having a decision made by caring about how it's going to hurt or affect people? Um, that's where, like, you need to use MBTI and need to understand that culture is not mushy and it's not soft. You cannot say the reason we have attrition is because oh, we just, you know, we need more we need tougher people. It's your fault. It, yes. And you know how I feel about that? It starts from the top. 
Mm-hmm. Like I, people try arguing me all the time, but I'm not here for it. <laughs> it starts at the top. Culture is made. It makes or breaks at the top. Like I think Brent and I have talked about this way back. I'm like a real believer in the cult of personality where it's like that person embodies the brand. So it's like, I just read a book on, it's called the battle for Uber. It was about uh, Travis Kalanick. He was Uber for the longest time. Like Uber was Travis. You couldn't, you could not separate those people. So when people think of Apple, I guarantee still, they don't think Tim Cook. Mm-hmm. They think jobs because he was Apple, Microsoft Gates, like Musk, Tesla, that is the culture. So even you have like political parties, you think like Democrats is this, Republicans is like, that's a symbol in the head. And I think you, you, you might believe this, that you need to create a symbol for yourself if you're a startup. Like I represent the company, I'm the embodiment of the company. Yep. And you can't have a middle manager it doesn't spread out. And it, I don't think it goes ground up either. I think it starts at the top and it's a hierarchy that spreads down. Yes. Maybe controversial, but I mean, read some history and you'll see that's true. Every time. And, you know, to that point, I just want to let everyone know since it's a, a lot of, it's a lot of CEOs and or people aspiring to be CEOs and startups that listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, we are here for you. He's amazing at job description yeah. and the MBTI coaching. Um, there's a lot of synergies here. So please reach out to us. You can find him on LinkedIn. <laughs> on LinkedIn. I live on LinkedIn. Um, I do have a YouTube channel. It's a ghost of young. I do interviews with my wife and I do the like type specific like niche stuff, like why the INTJ is the worst spouse. And it's, it's really good, but uh, I go, that's for like entertainment, but then LinkedIn is where I respond. There's no form. You just say, Hey Joe, I'd like to work with you. Slap that Calendly link out there and people, you know, respond. And then um, we'll do an intake call. And, you know, at the end of the day, I just want to say that I'm really grateful for this friendship. It's like, he's my business confidant. Yeah. Really happy to have him on the show. There's a a lot of work that goes into MBTI Mm -hmm. and it can be a big benefit to you as a CEO to understand yourself, which will then benefit your people, which is why I'm happy to have you here today. In person. I mean, this is a big, this is a big deal. Britt, thanks so much for having me in person. I mean, this is just like, it's an honor and you've been really helpful to me on LinkedIn because when I was just bright eyed and young on LinkedIn, I came in there, I had like 500 connections and you were like a big, you had a lot of influence because like you, you did a couple of interviews and like you really boosted my name out there. So I appreciate you having me on again. Hey, you, you about to surpass me, bro. So I'm just hopping on your train now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm my coach. That was fun. Hey, well, thank you everyone so much for listening to this show and we will talk to you soon. Bye. I really want to thank everyone for listening and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Subscribe and stay tuned for more thought-provoking content. If you'd like to check out my website, workcultureconsultant.com, feel free to leave feedback and send ideas for the show. Thanks again and I'll talk to your faces later.